said let's give the Lord a hand clap he's worthy and we exalt him and we honor him and we give him praise that he alone is deserving of amen amen God bless you you may be seated good morning amen before we go to children's church we got one thing to do amen thank you pastor praise the Lord well what an exciting uh moment that we have today is we uh, we have another uh, great privilege to honor our graduates for 2022 amen our high school graduates amen amen we have one we have one graduate this year and uh, so I would like to go ahead and invite Hunter Tool if you'll join me up here amen Amen. We have a special presentation, but as she comes, we just want to just uh, share in this with you. We're so excited. Uh, yes, come on up. Amen. Come stand right over here, and uh, we're going to just pray a blessing. But what an exciting time uh, to, to, to accomplish graduating high school, a lot of hard work that went into that, and we're so proud of you, and we're excited about what God is going to do. Amen. In this next season of your life, we encourage you. Uh, to acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways. Amen. 
And when we do that, we know that he'll direct your path. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. And so we just encourage you with that. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor. He's going to lead us and pray a prayer of blessing over Hunter this morning. Amen. Stretch your arms this way as we pray. Father, we thank you for Hunter. And we, Lord, we just thank you for this accomplishment, her graduation. And now, Lord, as she goes into this new season of life, Father God, surround her. May your favor surround her like a mighty shield. May her steps be divinely ordered of the Lord. Anoint the works of her hands. Help her, Father, to find her place in your kingdom. Help her, Father, to find the place of her divine calling and her precious ministry. And, Lord, as she seeks your face, make clear to her the way she ought to walk. And as she pursues you, let her find you. As she gives her best to seek you and to serve you, let her efforts be richly blessed of the Lord. Father, we pray you to give her the desires of her heart, and this day you would fill her afresh with your spirit, give her a fresh joy and confidence in the Lord, and as she walks, be her shield and be her shade. Bless her, and may she be a blessing to the entire world. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. We love you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Well, children are dismissed to children's church, kids' church, whatever they're calling it now. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, good morning again. It's so good to see you. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 2, we'll continue our series from the book of 1 Thessalonians. Amen. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and if you have your Bibles, we'll begin reading in verse 17. Paul writes, But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. I mean, for we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did. And again and again we tried, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we glory? in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes, is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. We're going to glean our thought from the tail end of verse 18, but Satan stopped us. But Satan stopped us. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Give us the ability to embrace your word and respond to it and apply it to our lives. Teach us your ways that we might walk in your victory. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Our title, But Satan Stopped Us. Verse 18, But Satan Stopped Us. We're in this series of sermons from the book of 1 Thessalonians, and by now you should be familiar with the background. Paul was run out of the city. There was a riot, there was persecution. He'd run out of the city. Leaving this group of young believers after they've only been saved really a few weeks, maybe a couple of months, and they've had limited instruction in the Christian faith. And then persecution begins immediately as they're coming to Christ. The city obviously was a city that was very anti-Christian in its climate. And Paul was obviously concerned. He couldn't get back to him. He was a wanted man. Every time he tried, he couldn't get there. Finally, he sends Timothy to see how they're doing. Well, Timothy, praise God, comes back with a good report. And we've studied this. This group of young believers, they had stood the test. They had weathered the storm. 
and they had proven themselves to be genuine converts. That's how we started. They were the real thing. They, they endured what health threw at them, and they clung to Christ, and they turned from the old, and their commitment to Christ was real and genuine, not just emotional and temporary. And now we glean our thought from verse 18. You know, many, many years ago, had to be over 20, 25 years now, the first time I ever did an in-depth study through this book, I got to this passage of Scripture. When I read those words, but Satan stopped us, it was as if uh, the Lord just glued me to those words. He froze me at those words. And now if you ever do any teaching, you know when God freezes you, that's his sign to take out your, your, um, your shovel of study and begin to deep and go deeper and develop that thought and find out what God wants to say in that and through that to the people. And this is really where most of this came from. We notice that it's interesting, those words that Paul writes, that God allowed Satan to hinder or stop Paul from returning to that church. I mean, it would have seemed like it was a critical time for this young church to have its apostle and its leader. It would have seemed to be a time when the apostle's presence and his leadership was needed the most, and Satan must have been thinking, if I can keep these young converts from their spiritual father, if I could keep them from their father in the faith and keep them away and isolate them from the influence of the apostles and their instruction and their influence, then it won't be hard for me to divide them and discourage them and scatter them, to deceive them and defeat them and just kind of send these young believers back from when they came. And as we read the story and we understand the book and everything behind it, it's a great and comforting reminder to know that God is able to keep his people they might not have had their pastor or their apostle, but they had their Savior. Can you say amen? I mean, the apostles were chased away, and they were just a few months old in the faith. But Jesus, praise God, is never chased away from his people. How did Paul say it in Romans? So comforting. He said, but nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That storm, that setback, it can't separate you from his love. That attack of the enemy, that failure maybe on your own part, it cannot separate you from the love and the keeping power of God that walks you through and carries you on. What a comforting thought that no matter what is thrown against us, even when it seems like we are alone, we are never alone. Because Jesus said, I'll never leave thee and I'll never forsake thee. And this is what we find out. It's a wonderful thought there. Thank God for spiritual leaders. We need them, and it's certainly biblical. Thank God for our brothers and our sisters in the family of God. We do need them, and that is certainly biblical. But the fact is, we can give God praise this morning, that whenever we face that trial and that test, and it might seem like we're alone and others aren't there, but we're never alone. When it seems like no one can help us, there is one. His name is Jesus, and he is the helper of his people, he will stand by our side and he'll bring us through. We thank the Lord this morning. He's the builder and he's the defender and he's the keeper of his church. We thank the Lord this morning that the great shepherd of his sheep, he's not just the author, but he's the finisher of our faith and the work he began. He said, I'm going to finish that great, great work in you. In fact, this young church, and it's good to learn things when you're young, amen? The sooner you learn things, the better. Some people didn't get into this thing till they were later on and they wished they would have. They looked back and so, said, oh, if I only would have known that as a teenager. It's something wonderful to learn it when you're young. You don't make as many foolish mistakes, hopefully. And this young church, it learned the great truth from 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. They learned from the beginning when the apostles had to flee and they were left alone with just minimal teaching. 
in a society that would arrest you and persecute you if you, if you witnessed, if you called on the name of Christ and got too much out of line. But they found out that their God is faithful and he won't allow them to be tempted beyond what they're able. But with every temptation, he will make a way of escape so they can bear it and they can stand up under it. What a wonderful assurance you and I have as we go in this walk, this walk of faith, as we fight this good fight, we have complete confidence and assurance that our God is faithful. May that ever be a comfort and a strength for your heart. Your God is faithful, and Jesus can be depended on. He'll never fail you. He'll never forsake you. May that be something that motivates you. May that be something that gets you up when you fall down. Let that be something that causes you to praise him when you have to praise him through the tears and bless him through the pain. God is faithful, and he's with you, and you can depend on the Lord. And not only is he faithful, he's in control. He won't allow you to be tempted. God's in control. That means you can endure it, you can prevail, and you can overcome in the midst of it. God is in control. I love that. He won't allow. He won't allow. That means Satan's on a leash, but but you're not. That means Satan's on a leash, and the trial of your faith is controlled by God. But God, when it comes to his people, he reminds us, though the enemy might be limited, you're not limited because my mercies are new every morning. My grace is sufficient for every endeavor, every time and my presence will never forsake thee or leave thee. Let us recognize this morning as we walk this walk of faith, our God is faithful and our God is in control and our God is a way maker. Don't be overwhelmed by the confusion. Don't be overwhelmed by this seems too complex. Things are too confusing. Your God is still able to make the crooked places straight and the rough places smooth. Your God is not just on the guide you. He makes a way for you. Even when it seems like there is no way, he'll still open the Red Sea. He'll still cause the manna to fall when you're in a desert place. He'll still lead you even when it's dark and you can't see your hand in front of your face. Lo and behold, child of God, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. You're not like those that don't know God. You're a child of the living God and he has given his commitment to keep you and guide you and walk you through every trial and storm. Somebody say amen. He's a way maker. He's working all things together for good. He's a way maker. And you can trust in the Lord with all your heart. And if you don't lean on your own understanding, he'll direct those steps and order your paths. This young church stood strong because God enabled them to stand strong. And so can you. Again, drawing our attention from verse 18. The Bible says, but God, but the devil stopped us. But the devil stopped us. The devil hindered us. Now that word hindered or stopped, it's a technical term that they would use, um, stopping an expedition that's on a march. It's what the enemy would do to try to hinder uh, an enemy troop from advancing. They'd blow up the bridges. They would um, mess up the roads so they couldn't travel on them. And that's what it talks about here. Satan tries to throw obstacles in our way to impede our progress as we grow in God. Satan tries to discourage us and frustrate our endeavors as we try to obey the call of God. Satan stopped us. Satan stopped us. And let there be no doubt this morning that he wants to stop you. He wants to keep you from growing and maturing and becoming the one God's called you to be. He wants to keep you from advancing and fulfilling your great and mighty call. He wants to keep you from obeying his word. He wants to keep you from believing 
his promises. He wants to keep you from rebuilding that life that was knocked down by circumstances. And the devil says you'll never get back up. But God says not only will you get back up, you're going to get back up and soar on wings like his eagles. You're going to get back up and you're going to go forward and I'll renew what the enemy has stolen and tried to destroy. Oh, friend, let us recognize he'll try to hinder our lives from being who God has called us to be. So as believers this morning, it's important that we recognize we have an enemy. Paul wasn't shy about saying Satan stopped us. He hindered us. He frustrated our plans. God overruled it. God worked in spite of it. Our God's in control. God showed that young congregation that even without the help of man, they always have the help of God. But the fact remains, Satan stopped him. And Satan will try to stop you and I from going further in God, from doing the right thing in God, from becoming all we're called to be in God. There is a tendency for God's people to go to extremes. On one side, everything's a devil. You know, that, that removes personal responsibility, doesn't it? Amen? Everything's a devil. No, some things are laziness. Isn't that right? Some things are disobedience. You can say amen. That was a good time. Amen. Sometimes we blame that devil for everything, don't we? How poor devil. I mean, sometimes we go, uh, devil's, no, that devil, that devil didn't get you fired. Showing up late five days in a row. That got you fired. Amen? I mean, sometimes we, you know, sometimes we sit, isn't that true? All right, now we get that aside. Now that's the other side. So sometimes everything's the devil. Everything's the devil. Or the other side, we forget and ignore the biblical reality that we have a very real enemy of our souls. The Bible teaches this. Who is Satan? Who is the devil? In the Hebrew, he's called the accuser, the adversary, the tempter. Satan was an angel created perfect and good. He ministered before the throne of God. Yet before the world began, he rebelled against God and became the chief enemy of God and his people. In his rebellion, he drew away a multitude of lesser angels. And presently, he wars against God and his people. Ephesians 6. He seeks to draw men and women away from loyalty to Christ and further into sin and bondage in this present world. He tries to blind men's eyes from the gospel of Christ. He tries to afflict lives in various ways. He tries to instigate violence and vice and perversions. And Jesus came to earth to destroy the works of the devil. We know that. First John 3 and 8. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. And Jesus came to destroy those works and establish God's kingdom and deliver you and I from Satan's hold and Satan's dominion. By the death and resurrection of our Lord... He initiated the defeat of Satan and he ensured God's ultimate victory over him. Colossians 2 and 15 talks about how Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. How he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over the, through the cross. So we recognize we have an enemy. We recognize that Jesus has defeated him. He's on borrowed time. He knows his time is short. Two quick thoughts. Number one, there is a real enemy. Jesus called him a liar, a murderer, a thief. He's active, he's angry, and he's aggressive. His goal is to destroy the handiwork of God. His goal is to hinder or oppose the work of God. His goal is to drive an eternal wedge between God and his creation. As Peter says, he goes about like that roaring lion. He tries to destroy and deceive and divide and separate. He tries to lure people 
away from what is good and what is God and what is pure and what is proper. You know, the Bible says that the enemy tries to hinder our prayers. We see that in Daniel, don't we? And how he tries to discourage our obedience. We see that in the Gospels. We see that in the book we're studying now. He tries to hinder obedience and turn people back. Go back to Egypt. He tries to deceive people's minds. We saw that in the Garden of Eden, didn't we? From the very beginning, he tries to deceive and get us to doubt. He tries to devour blessings, the marriages, and relationships like a roaring lion prowling about. We can see the results of his attacks everywhere around us. We see it in the local level. We see it in the national level. We see the horrible, heartbreaking events. Uh, Again, the the violence and the vice and the moral confusion that, that is all over the world and all over the nation. There is a real devil. There is an enemy, and he plays for keeps. I remember reading some years ago the story. It must have been the um, 80s because there was a a punk rocker that was in this story, but um, I had to go back to those times. A man was riding one of the buses in downtown Chicago, and and, and he wrote this story. The bus was filled with, with, um, you know, capacity, um, dozing office workers, restless punkers, and affluent shoppers going downtown Chicago. And at Clark and Webster, two men and a woman climbed on. And the driver, who was a seasoned veteran, a bus driver many, many years, he immediately bellowed, everybody watch your valuables. There are pickpockets on board. Women clutched their purses tightly. Men checked their wallets. All the eyes fixed on this trio who looked insulted and harassed, and they didn't even break stride as they promptly exited out the middle doors. You know, the Bible warns us to be vigilant. Because evil is less likely to overtake us when we're watching. We have to recognize that if the Bible tells us the reality is the devil, and he wants to harm us and hinder us and defeat us, then it would behoove us not to go overboard, but properly in balanced way to recognize and let's be alert that there is an enemy that wants to hinder everything God wants to do in our lives. And let's be clear that at times we have to sound the alarm. And we have to allow those around us. If we're the head of the home, there is a time that not only we're alert, but we need to let the sound of the alarm go forth. There's an enemy around. There's an enemy around. Be alert. That's a danger sign. Be alert. Something's not right as it should be. Get away. There's something wrong here. So number one, there is a real enemy. And he plays for keeps. But we recognize as Christians, as children of God, We don't have to fear him or to be defeated by him. We don't have to be intimidated by him or overwhelmed by him. If you belong to Jesus, and that if is the biggest if there is. If is the eternal. If you belong to Jesus, then you are a child of God. And then the enemy has no right or place of authority over you. Yes, he'll attack. Yes, he'll attempt to assault. He'll attempt to maybe discourage and defeat and deceive your best efforts in God. But by the power of God's spirit and the equipping of God's word, you can take your stand, resist him, and overcome him again and again and again. 
In fact, if you have been saved for any amount of time, you're familiar, Ephesians 6, that, that famous section where Paul, in the context of spiritual warfare, he encourages the church, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Isn't it good to know we don't have to fight this fight in our own strength? We don't have to fight this fight in, in this human frailty? No, no, no. It's no longer I that liveth, Paul said, but Christ that liveth in me. And therefore, when I fight this fight, when I do my part to walk forward in God and to deal with the attacks that come against all of us that are trying to serve the Lord. I can find my strength in God. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might but then put on that whole armor of God that you can take your stand against all the schemes and assaults and attacks of the evil one. Yes, He will attack you but no, He will not prevail against you because greater is He that's within you than He that's in the world. Can you say amen to that? Amen. There has to be a biblical balance in our lives. There is an enemy. And if we give him place, he will do damage. If we think we can be high and haughty, their fall comes after the pride, right? God blesses the humble. But if there's a haughtiness and not a proper humility, we can set ourselves up for defeat. But if we'll walk humbly with our God, seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness, understanding the truth of God's word, understanding the reality of what happened on Calvary so many years ago, then we can walk confidently. We can walk assuredly. We can walk with the peace that passes understanding. We can walk with the wisdom that makes us smarter than our enemies. Then we can walk with a power and authority that will enable us to take our stand and watch the enemy defeated every time, every time. Now, This is important for us because here it is. The the enemy tries to deceive and discourage the minds of his people. You know, you can have a lot, but if you don't know what you have, it gets wasted awful lot. Isn't that right? You you can have it, but if you don't know you got it and you don't know how to use what you got, it really, you can have a lot and it's wasted. It It doesn't produce anything. The enemy tries to deceive and discourage the people of God. He tries to confuse the mind. He tries to bring division in the home. He tried to weigh down the soul and tempt one to sin. He tries to afflict with anxiety and with anger, with apathy. And he's a liar. You see, and you can have it, but he'll lie and tell you you don't got it. Can you say amen? He's a liar, and he'll try to keep you feeling like you're nothing when you're something in Jesus. Amen? He's a liar and he'll try to make you think there's no answer when you got all the answers. It's in the B-I-B-L-E. God's got a promise for your situation and His grace is sufficient for every trial and every task and every endeavor you'll ever face. Oh yes, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you. So that part is finished. You've got the power. You've got the might. But now we got to know what we have so we can use what we got. Can you say amen? and the enemy tries to deceive in that way and because of those lies many Christians unfortunately they begin to live below their privileges as Christians somehow not believing or not not understanding and certainly not enjoying all they have in Christ and we've got a lot in Christ it'll it'll distract us you know there was a true story some years ago 
where a, a, group, a group of thieves would come into a store, maybe three or four of them would come in, and they'd go to the back of the store, and they'd cause a ruckus. Either they'd start a fight, or they'd knock something off. And, and while that was going on, someone that was with them but didn't walk in with them had already come in the other side. And he's in the front of the store. And so when all the workers go back there and all the attention is drawn there, he's stealing everything he can get back up here. And, you know, many times Satan distracts us. And we get so distracted by his distractions, we don't realize what's walking out the door. He'll distract you with unnecessary fears and worries and stresses. And meanwhile, you wake up two months later. What happened there? Well, you've been asleep looking at these, these guys in the back just making a bunch of noise to get your attention when really... We studied the book of James on Wednesday night. And we got to the part of how to prepare our hearts to receive the word, to make the most out of receiving the word. And James used an interesting phrase. He said, the word planted in you. Kind of piggybacking or gleaning from Jesus' thought of the parable of the sower and the seed. The word planted in the hearts of men. And as we went through that, we pretty much said to that group, the Wednesday night group, well, you know, the, the first one, we're not too worried about, we're saved. I mean, we, we, we're, we're not the hard-hearted ones. And, and if you're here today, most of you, you're here, but you've gone through some storms. I know that Wednesday night crowd, most of them are saved longer than I've been alive, and they've gone through some stuff. They're sincere, they're rooted. So the second thing doesn't apply to them either, but they're rooted, amen? Hell can throw everything at them. They are not going back to Egypt. They've made up their mind. They're going to heaven. They're going to go to heaven regardless of what comes against them. They're, they're done. But that third one, remember what the third one was? Oh, distractions and the cares of this world. And Jesus said how the effect that has on the Christian, it kind of suffocates and chokes the life of the Christian. You get so caught up in the worries that Jesus said, don't worry about that. You're having a father that's got you covered. We get so caught up in things that are distracted, things of this world that really don't matter, that the most important things are being neglected. And that faith that God wants to develop in us, that conformity to Jesus Christ that he wants to develop, it gets snuffed out. It gets choked out. And that th- they can't mature because the things of this world distract them, busy them, and cause them to neglect where their focus needs to be. So many times the enemy, you know, if he comes at us like a roaring lion, oh, that's it. You get on the prayer line, you get out the Bible, you stand on the word. I mean, you put it on, man. You get ready. He's coming. He's coming. He's usually not that dumb. He said the week ago, he's a great tempter, but he's a great deceiver. He is a great tempter, but he's a great deceiver. From the beginning, he's been good at deceiving. He's a great tempter, but he's a great deceiver. He'll hide that hook really nice. Amen? That fish don't want to see that. He's a nice, juicy worm. Mm -mm -mm. That looks good. Don't see the hook. We get so caught up. We understand that he's not always a roaring lion. Sometimes he's a serpent. Very seductive and very deceptive. And for most of us that know God, he knows enough. Come in like a roaring lion, we'll get out the Holy Ghost double barrel. Amen? It's two years. Oh, no, we'll stand on the promise. We'll get the prayer warriors going. We'll plead the blood. Well, oh, we'll run them off. But he's a little smarter than that. He does things a little slyer. He, he knows enough. That's not, that strategy don't work with most good Christians. But I can get them distracted. It's very easy in this world to get distracted. 
And we get so busy with things that really don't matter or busy with things that really are just the enemy just distracting us that we begin to neglect and we fail to keep watch and be vigilant over the most important things. Marriages fall apart too busy trying to get that next nickel an hour. Kids get neglected. Daddy's got too many hobbies that really don't matter. And neglect your most important thing. Raise those kids to know God and know the love of God. Woo! I'm off my notes, but it's feeling good. Amen. Hallelujah. That's all right. Your barbecue can start an hour later. We're all going to be all right. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's all right. That's all right. Let me get back to my notes before someone gets nervous. All right. Hallelujah. The fact is this. You and I are so richly blessed as sons and daughters of the living God. And the enemy, if he cannot keep you from enjoying salvation, if he can't keep you from really being saved, he'll keep you from enjoying that salvation and growing in that salvation and carrying up the call that God has on your life. If he can't keep you from being saved, he'll try to keep you from being productive in your salvation. And one of the ways he does that, he keeps us busy. He keeps us running here and there. Or he keeps us ignorant. So that we get saved, but we never grow to find out how great this salvation is. How wonderful. All things pertaining to life and godliness, Second Peter, has been given unto us. Man, that's pretty good. Amen? I mean, folks, listen. We have received much in this. Just to name a few things. In the book, it tells us Jesus calls this life abundant life. Not defeated life. Not an oppressive life. But abundant life when you know Jesus. Amen? And you walk in the joy of the Lord. And you know the peace of God that passes understanding. And you can let your head at your pillow at night and know that he gives his beloved sleep hallelujah don't you know what's going on yeah but the god i serve he never sleeps and he never slumbers and if jesus is on night watch i'm getting some rest come on say amen but you gotta learn the promises you know the bible says that we have a peace that passes understanding. That's pretty good in a world that's very restless and very contentious, so forth. He has a provision. Regardless of what the stock market says, Jesus said, I'm your shepherd and I will supply your needs. There is provision and there is protection and there is power, love, and a sound mind. There is a freedom from condemnation, a freedom from accusation. There's a freedom from want and a freedom from weariness, a freedom from loneliness, a freedom from fear. As a child of God, you have been blessed with multiple blessings that Jesus has purchased you, but hell would keep you ignorant of them and no longer enjoying them and employing them. But God says tonight, I want you to know what you have in my son. When he shed his blood on Calvary, it was more than just to forgive you someday. It was to bless you this day. It was to give you a great inheritance and a wonderful salvation Learn about it, walk in it, and let God bless you and bless your world through it. Amen. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. So what we recognize through this, Paul writes, but Satan stopped us. And this is a two-parter because you can't... Someone says, good, that'll be shorter. Yes, that's what it means. Yes. I'll get an amen any way I can. Amen. Um, We're recognizing that yes, yes, there is a real enemy. And listen, he attempts to mess us all up. And he'll take what you give him. He'll take what you give him. Come on, say amen. He'll take what you give him. If you're going to give it, he's going to take it. Amen? It's like some of us men, when we go to the buffet, we have you giving it, we eating it. Amen? If you bring it out, isn't that right? 
Hallelujah. We're going to take it. Oh, he's going to take it. But listen, but listen, but thanks to Calvary. Somebody say Calvary. Oh, thanks to Calvary. Hell's, hell's hold has been broken. Its authority has been stripped. And the blood of Jesus has rescued our lives and freed us from the dominion of darkness. And now we can enjoy the victory of that cross. So give the enemy no place and walk in the victory that Christ has granted you through that great cross and his shed blood. Now to help you and I, just to be a confident people as we walk this walk and fight this fight, as we go through the various situations of life, he wants us to go through them as an overcomer. Let's remember these three things. As a Christian, three R's, three R's, very quickly. Number one, I want you to recognize you, you've been rescued. You've been rescued. Remember that you have been rescued. Colossians 1 and 13, he has, he has. This is not someday. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He has rescued us. You don't belong to that old system of thinking. You don't belong to that old system of morality. You don't belong to that old system to live according to it. The mindset of that old system is no longer applies to you. The power and the hold and the influence of that system has been broken over you. We've been brought out of that and brought into the kingdom of Christ. We're a unique people. We're a set apart people. We're a people that have been rescued from that. We have a new Lord. We have a new love. We have a new loyalty. Blessed be his name we have a new law we have a new goal we have a new glory we've been brought up god has rescued you you don't belong to that old system anymore so don't bow to its demands don't think according to its morality and don't submit to what it fears but know that now you belong to the kingdom of god and his christ and it's a wonderful kingdom it's a victorious kingdom number one recognize this as you walk along that i'm not part of this world i'm in it but i'm not of it I've been redeemed from that mess. I've been rescued from that and brought into this. You no longer think of yourself how you used to think in the natural. You're not who you were in the natural. You've got a new father. You've got a new pedigree. The blood of Jesus. Oh, you've got a transfusion from Calvary. And you're new. Your kingdom is new. And so is your king. Blessed be his name. Number one, recognize I've been rescued. So you can fear what they fear. I'm going to walk according to my new kingdom. Amen. You, 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 can, you can be deceived by the old kingdom. I'm going to walk in the truth of the new kingdom. Whew. Whew. You've been rescued. And you've been redeemed. Ephesians 1 and 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. Redemption. The enemy has no claim on you. The enemy has no claim on you. Jesus didn't buy you on, what is it, layaway? No, no, no. He purchased you, all you, all you. Amen? This wasn't one of those layaway deals. Amen? He didn't buy you on installment plan. There's no installment plan on this. That blood was shed, paid in full. It is finished. Oh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen? You've been redeemed. You've been redeemed. Been redeemed. That rescue wasn't some kidnap operation. He didn't illegally take you. He purchased you legally through his blood shed on the cross. Oh, what a beautiful thought. Paid in full. You belong completely and thoroughly to Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Whew, I love that. Not my own, and that's a good thing. Bought with a price. If Satan wants to mess with you, he's got to mess with the one who purchased you and that owns you. That's a good thing. Amen? Just talk, tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Devil, just tell it to Jesus. I belong to him. Redemption's a legal term. 
the blood of Jesus paid and purchased us completely. There was a transfer of ownership when we came to Christ. Because of the blood, there's been a transfer of ownership. Amen? Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And now you're not your own, but your life is secure in Christ. Talk about, I don't know what is it, um, um, all state or uh, state farm, good hands, people. Forget them. You're in the good hands of Jesus now. Amen? And no one can snatch you out of those hands. No one can take you. from. So, so rest in that. Believe that. I belong to Christ. Hell can huff and puff, but he's got to do more than fight me. He's got to fight the one that redeemed me and the one that rescued me and the one that purchased me and the one that owned me. The battle is the Lord's battle, and that's wonderful to think about. Amen? You've been rescued and you've been redeemed, but now let's go one step further. Not only have you been rescued, not only have you been redeemed, but you've been reconciled. To redeem something is to purchase it, but once you purchase it, you can pretty much do what you want with it. Some guys go to the garage sale just to sell it another garage sale. Ah, well, they redeemed it, but it wasn't too much reconciliation. Look at reconciliation now. Go ahead. Reconciliation, that's Romans 5 and 11. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we've received reconciliation. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. There's been a restoring to our place as sons and daughters. There's been a restoring to our position as joint heirs with Christ. It's not merely that he redeemed us because many times you buy something, you toss it in the attic. You buy something just to resell it somewhere else. You buy and just to give it away. But when he purchased us, he purchased us that he might honor us. He purchased us that he might place us back to where we belong. Reconciliation is a beautiful thought to be brought back to peace and right standing with God. You're no longer a stranger, you're a son. You're no longer a slave, you're a son. Uh, reject that slave mentality. Reflect, don't think little of yourself when you're a son. Reject that grasshopper mentality. Don't think that way when you're a son. Don't live like a stranger when God calls you a son. And within that wonderful sonship, we recognize this day that, that there is the blessing of, well, how can we say, it? the privilege of sonship belongs to you this day. And the power of sonship belongs to you this day. And the wonderful provision and the care and the protection of sonship belongs to you this day. And what we have here, you see what happens often. Satan stopped them. But many times when we have to fight this fight, and again, the enemy will throw at us whatever he can that cause us to forget who we are and to somehow begin to doubt what we really received when we came to Christ. And he jumps on the old mindset when we used to deal with inferiority, when we used to feel the sting of that rejection. And he brings us back there. Because if he can get us back into the old emotions, he knows then he can toy with us. He can get the upper hand with us. And that's why when Paul was talking about the armor of God, one of the things he said, put on the helmet of salvation. Make sure your thinking's in line with salvation. However you respond, make sure it's in line with what you know from the truth of the gospel of what happened to you when you came and gave your life to Christ. Because as you recognize, as you approach something with the recognition that I'm a, I'm a son, I'm not a slave. 
I'm not just an old sinner saved by grace. I am a child of the living God. Hallelujah. A joint heir with Jesus Christ. That every blessing and every promise that's for me, I can claim it. I can possess it. I I can release it and exercise it in my life. When I face something with the proper mindset, the mindset of a son, that makes all the difference. That makes all the difference. The privileges of sonship, the privilege of prayer, and the privilege of access coming boldly before the throne of grace, the privilege that knows no matter what happens, there is a place where we can go and we can weep our tears and we can cast our burdens and we can express our hurts. There is a place where we can go and we can receive wisdom that is divine and comfort that is eternal. There is a place where we can go and sit at the feet of him who is a wonderful counselor who understands us and recognizes us, the one that knows our names and knows our needs and he knows our natures and he's able to help us. He can sympathize with us because he's endured these things for us. Oh, there's wonderful privileges when you're a child of God, when you recognize I'm a son, no longer a slave, that I am one that now is a joint heir with Christ, not just an old sinner that God grudgingly accepts. No, 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 no. And the privilege tells me I have the prayer and I have the access and I have the blessings of God and I have the name that I can stand upon and the word that I can trust in. The privileges and of course the power of the son. It's a wonderful thought that Christianity is not merely just a Christian philosophy that we recognize certain rules and principles and we do our best to grind it out. No, 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 a million times, no. When you get saved, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead comes and dwells within you, makes you a brand new creature and we live this life not in our strength but in the strength of him who redeemed us and saved us, who died and rose again for us. There is a power that God has granted us that we can live this life. Jesus said, you shall receive power power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. He said, I will give you the power of my spirit that you can represent me properly everywhere this world takes you in the home or in the business in the marketplace, wherever you go because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit now. You have power that you can represent me and you can speak for me and you can carry out my commission. Behold, I give you power. He says not only to represent me but to overcome the enemy through me. Jesus said in Luke's gospel, behold I give you power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. I've given you power that when those slew foot does show up, you don't got to be afraid. You don't have to be intimidated. You don't have to backslide and you don't have to compromise. You can stand firm and continue to obey God and trust God and do what you know is right in the eyes of God and recognize it's not in man's willpower. It's not in just gritting it out. It's by the power of the living Christ that dwells within us that we can overcome and we can endure. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thought. The privileges of sonship and the power of sonship and the protection and the care of sonship. He are. You are the apple of his eye and you 
are the object of his affection and he watches over you continually and he surrounds you with his loving kindness. Oh, eternally. He says, I'll meet your every need. I'll carry your every burden and I'll fight your every battle. Jesus tried to get through to the people in his day. Don't let these things wear you down. Don't let these things cause you to become exhausted and frustrated in life. Know you not that your heavenly Father that feeds the sparrow, He'll take care of you. The one that so beautifully clothes the flowers of the field, He'll give you all that you need. Fear not. Stress not. Get frustrated not. But know you have a heavenly Father that loves you and is devoted to you. He never sleeps and never slumbers. His love for you will never be diminished. Oh, child of God, know ye this day that because of the blood of Jesus, you're a son, you're not a slave. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And you can walk this walk and walk it in the victory of Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Oh, that's it. Because there's a reality of the enemy. But he don't got to defeat you. You're walking with Jesus. Amen. There's a reality that we all go under attacks. The devil attacking me. Well, join the family. He's attacking all of us. Amen. That's all right. That must mean you got something he wants. He don't kick a dead horse. Isn't that right? Of course he's attacking you. He don't want your family getting their act together. He, he don't want you entering into that high call that God has for you. He don't, oh no, he don't want you. You see what I'm getting at? Didn't bother me so much when I was doing my own thing. He said, I got him where he wants him. I said, let him do his own thing. He'll kill himself. Amen. But once you say, I'm going to start getting serious with God. Woo. So he'll attack, but don't you be afraid of that. You got the goods. You've been given the goods. Hallelujah. All right. Enough is enough. Glory to God. Someone's getting ready to barbecue. Amen. Oh, Lord, have mercy on us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're going to open these altars. We're going to open these altars. Satan stopped us. Paul said that. Part one. Next week we'll talk about some of those arrows. Arrow of the doubt. Arrow of the deal. Division. We have a spiritual enemy. But we have been equipped. And empowered to defeat him. Resist him. And prevail against him. Amen. Amen. All right. It requires. Biblically it requires that we give him no place. That we understand and apply. And use the spiritual weapons. In power. That God has given us through his son. So as we open the altar. Prayer last prayer. Sing our final song. As we open this altar. Let's search our hearts. And make sure things are right. Let's give him no place. You see, unforgiveness gives him place. Unbelief gives him place. Blatant disobedience just gives him place. That's an open door that allows him to come and do, do what he wants to do. You know, I'll just, I know, I, I, y'all, you might be walking on water. Well, I sink. So let me give you one of my stories from my own life. There have been a lot of times you know me, I pray. I, I love to pray. Always love to pray. One of the easiest things, when I got serious to God as a teenager, I could always pray. Long, I just love to pray. There have been many times I'm praying. I mean, I'm, I'm going at it. You know what I mean? I'm going at it. I'm in the spirit. I'm going at it. 
And so sometimes you almost hear God say, would you hush up? You've you, you bound everything from Durant to Tallahassee and back. You know, you're claiming the promises. You're making up a few, I think, in there. I, think, I thought there's a few. I thought you might have made them up, son. Would you hush up? Here's your problem. And he showed me maybe I wasn't quite nice to my wife. He said, or maybe I said something wrong to someone. He says, you can't act like that and just pray away it. you got to make things right. You can't give place to the devil and then think everything's going to be fine just because you prayed a little stronger or claim a promise or two. You can plead the blood all you want, but if you're not kind to your neighbor, God says, you're giving an open door to that enemy to mess with you. You open the door. My, my, my behavior will either reinforce that thing or open that thing. Amen? That's why... As Christians, part of our devotional life, search me, O oh God. And when we read our Bibles, we do, well, a couple of things are going on when I read my Bible. I'm trying to learn, right? And then most of us have been saved so long, it's, we're not learning a lot of new things, but things are being reinforced. But I'm also allowing that word to search me. It's instructing me, it's encouraging me, but it's also searching me like a mirror, right? James says it's like a mirror. Because a lot of times, the problem isn't that God isn't more powerful. We know that. It's not even that we don't have the goods in Jesus. We know that. But we allow certain things, and if they aren't dealt with, we've just given him. Amen? Isn't that right? And so it's very important that we daily in our devotions, if there's something there, Lord, show me. Because I want to make quick accounts. I want to get things right. Amen? I don't want to give him pl place. Hallelujah. Because he'll take what you give him. He'll take what you give him. Amen? He'll exploit what you give him. Hallelujah. So as we pray at the end here, search your heart. Lord, did I give him place? Maybe you're in a battle and you I don't see how. When is the victory ever going to come? Check. Make sure you didn't give him open door. Don't allow him. And make sure that you're applying the privilege of salvation. Apply that word. Stand on God's promise. Pray. Trust God. Put on that helmet of salvation. Now, if things aren't right and you need to close the door on some things, do it now. Do it now. Say, Lord, enough is enough. You've been dealing with me. I was snotty with my neighbor last month. Said what I shouldn't have said. I need to go make it right. I know that's the reason. Don't put it off. Amen? God's got a good memory, folks, when we don't get it under the blood. <laughs> but if you need prayer, come on, we'll pray with you. And we'll believe God together. But like I say, there's no point in you and I putting on the armor of God and getting all emotional, excited, if we've allowed something in that we need to close. Amen? Amen. I want to search me, O oh God, and see, the psalmist said. I want to make sure. And that's the first thing. Anytime we're under an attack, right? I don't care what it is. If I'm looking for an answer from God, if I'm attacked, it could be physical, financial, you name it. First thing I want to check is me. Amen? There's no sense in me praying all these prayers if the mirror, in the mirror, there's the enemy. It's me, right? I need to get things right. I need to make an adjustment. And then once you know that's good, 
then you can stand firm with confidence and freedom and really see a breakthrough come in your life. All right, stand with me. Let's pray our prayer and open the altar. Glory to God. Oh, God, search us, Lord. Search us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. We don't want to spin our tires, Lord. We don't want to spin our tires. We don't want to labor in vain, Lord. We want to make sure we've done our part, Lord, to give no place to the enemy so then we can stand firmly and use the power you've given us. Father, in the name of Jesus, talk to us this morning. Show us, Lord. Show us, Lord. If we need to make an apology, if there's something that we need, your Spirit's been dealing with us about and we're not doing it, Lord, show us, Lord, so we can make things right, so we can give no place to the enemy of our souls. And, oh, God, give us a new energy a new spiritual energy to apply your word, to apply that specific promise to that specific need. Pray for those that might be dealing with financial strains, something at their job, something in their economy, that, Lord, they will stand firmly and trust you. They will recognize that you're their provider, that you're their shepherd. They will stand firmly on the good word and they will give you praise and thanks even before the situation is solved. Hallelujah. Father, give us a new energy to act and apply your word to our lives. And Lord, touch your people this morning. There might be a broken heart here that needs that healing oil to be poured into it. There might be a disappointed soul here that just needs the comfort of the Holy Spirit to embrace them and to assure them it's going to be all right. God's not done yet. Touch your people, Lord. May the breakthrough of healing and refreshing flow now, Father, as we all make that fresh altar and search our hearts, and then we look to you. Help us, Lord, to apply these truths and to walk them out accurately and faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. The altar is open. Let's sing this one time through.